Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. It's amazing these Mondays roll around pretty fast lately. I hope they remind you all to have family home evening. <laughs> I hope so. Um, actually, a lot has happened since last Monday at our house up in Park City. My gosh, there was not one red leaf on Thursday. And here we are on Monday morning, and the hills are ablaze. It's amazing. And we have both been away, but we're trying to live up to this Ayers on the Road name they gave our show. And my goodness, we've certainly lived up to it this week. In fact, we had to split up, which we don't like to do when we're going to go out and speak about parenting and families and marriages. We like to go together, don't we, Linda? We do. But actually, I got to go with our daughter, our second daughter, Shawnee, this week to time out for women up in Logan, which was really a thrill because that's my alma mater, our alma mater. We both were true Aggies. Well, and I had to go on my own, but I did link up with our son Noah in Southern California. He lives in in San Diego, and and I got to go and give a a speech to a wonderful group of non-parents Young special adults, but boy, oh boy, did we talk about getting ready to be parents. I told them that they hadn't made any parenting mistakes yet and that they had to get ready so they wouldn't make too many when the time came. Well, every young adult needs to hear that. There's not enough training going on for marriage in this world anymore, is there? No, that's for sure. But why don't we do a little bit similar to what we did last week and have... uh, each of us kind of take the lead for a little bit of the show and tell about the uh, experience we had with the group that we spoke to and have the other one act as kind of a color commentator breaking in. We never interrupt each other, do we, Linda? But we oh, never, never, never. We, we sometimes interject. <laughs> never interrupt, often interject. So the other one can color commentate and interject. And why don't we... Start with you, Linda. This, uh, in case listeners don't know, and I may mess this up, but I'll try to introduce you. Uh, Time out for women is quite a marvelous thing, where women sometimes two or three or four thousand at a time get together and take a little time out from their families, I guess, or at least their husbands, and uh, spend a little time recharging their batteries of motherhood. And it's so important women, for women right? to do women, that. Right? Yeah, there there were a lot of women that were not married there too, and a lot of single young women who are again getting ready to enter that world. And it really is quite an amazing thing. I mean, it's quite a phenomenon when you get that many women together in one room. We were at the Kent Concert Hall, and it was such a thrill for me because I had been on that stage. So many times I'm a music major and I played in the orchestra and I marched over and marked out the spot where I had sets at so many concerts and it was really so fun. I spent so many hours practicing in that building and so it was just delightful to be there and to remember those good times. In fact, I interject that when I first met Linda at Utah State when we were both Aggies, um, I often had to go drag her out of the Kent Concert Hall to get her to spend any time with me because she was there <laughs> practicing her violin. I think I was jealous of your violin because you I, you clearly spent more time with it than you did with me. Yeah, I did, about 
three hours a day. <laughs> so um, that's a lot more than we spent together. But actually, it, it was just so fun. I mean, never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined that I would be standing there 40 years later with our beautiful daughter on the same stage speaking to an audience. That was not in my um, in my immediate <laughs> future at that time. Well, I'd just like to say that you're more beautiful now than you were then, and when you add our daughter, Shawnee, you two must have just knocked out that. How many did you have? You had two or three thousand, I, I guess. I think there was maybe 1,800. They didn't really tell us. It was, it was it totally sold out, so that was fun. But, of course, it wasn't just us. I mean, there were so many wonderful speakers. Michael Wilcox, Mercy River was there, Emily Freeman, um, just so many terrific speakers and uh, entertainment that was out of this world. Macy Robinson was there singing uh, along with the fabulous accompanist Whitney Johnson. Um, and Linda, what did you and Shawnee speak about? Well, we spoke about an interesting topic. We spoke about bringing more spirituality, more holiness into your life. And no matter what religion you are, Everybody wants to be a little more holy, um, but it was an interesting experience because um, Shawnee actually had gone to a recent motherhood retreat, and that was one of the classes, and she said, you know, um, that wasn't really on my top of my list to go to because I felt like I was not living in much holiness at my house, and then we showed a picture of her with one of her babies who was a spitter-upper, and she had on this pink long sleeve shirt, and honestly, it looked almost white because she was totally covered with throw-up. <laughs> totally. So, was she trying to say that motherhood is not always a spiritual proposition? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then we showed her little two-year-old screamer, Lucy. And, you know, when you're surrounded by the difficulties of life and they're just coming at you from every direction, it's quite an amazing process to think about how can I make this more holy. It was really well, fun, though. Let me just say that, uh, you know, one one reason we love doing this radio show every Monday is we get to catch up on each other. <laughs> right. And, and it's interesting that when I here I was at the very same moment. I, in fact, we decided we were actually on stage at the same time, and I was up in some beautiful mountains uh, by Lake Arrowhead up in in California along a road called the Rim of the World, seven thousand feet, looking down on San Bernardino, but up in the ponderosa pine trees with. Uh, with a couple of hundred young single adults. And what I was talking to them about was actually perspective. The whole idea of trying to see things in perspective, and it occurs to me that we were really, in a way, talking about the same thing, because I'm sure what you were trying to get across was that even in those moments of spit-up and chaos and confusion, there is this opportunity to have the perspective and to say, we're really raising these children of God, and even though they're little and messy and annoying and loud, the perspective we need is that they are children of God. That's so true. And, you know, even as a mother, when you... I kind of had an anger management problem. We had all nine of those kids home. Um, and I... I mean, we... Don't we, we all? We started out by saying, certainly we don't feel like we are holy. And, and we showed the picture of the original edition of I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch, which I wrote when all the kids were home. And... Um, <laughs> 
you know, they, it is just so true that sometimes you love them, you truly do, but they just drive you over the edge and you totally lose it. And how important it is to apologize and just say, look, let me tell you what happened to me today, this and this and this and this. And then when they hear that, often I used to get little notes on my pillow at night when kids were irrational and unreasonable and and with this little note saying, I'm sorry, Mom, but this is what happened to me today, and I, you know, I really shouldn't have done that or said that. And I think that it goes both ways. I mean, parents do get upset and angry, and so do kids, and, and there's a way to resolve it. Yeah, and I, you know, again, this is interesting to juxtaposition the two situations because what I was trying to say to my single audience, many of whom wish they were not single, they wish they would sure. find the person they're trying to, to marry. And I was trying to share with them the fact that if we try to see life in perspective and to realize that uh, we did come from a spiritual place before we came here, and, and, and eternity is a long, long time. Right. And the idea that, uh, you know, it's often, we often sort of think of ourselves as physical beings who occasionally have a spiritual experience and in fact we ought to be thinking of ourselves just the opposite of that as spiritual beings who are now having a physical or mortal experience here on this earth and I was trying to point out to them that um, even though things don't always happen in the exact sequence we wish they did i.e. you know maybe maybe someone thinks well I'll, I'll grow up and I'll uh, go to college and while I'm at college I'll meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright and we'll get married and we'll have children and life will unfold according to some magical sequence or plan. In fact, it often doesn't work that way and things happen in a different order than we might have wished or planned. But the order really doesn't matter. What matters is that we get it all done at some point and if, if some marry a little later in life, that's okay. In fact, according to our belief, if they don't marry at all in this life, but find and marry someone in the hereafter, that is still equally good in the eternities. And that the important thing is that we have perspective and realize that this is an eternal thing. So, ironically, you might have been talking to people who needed perspective to cope with all the little kids while they're still young themselves, and I was talking to maybe some who wish they had that problem but need to cope with the perspective of not being quite where they thought they'd be at this point in their life. Yeah, and in fact, I'm so glad you mentioned the word perspective because one of the things that I said right at the first about Shawnee, I mean, when she, I mean, here she is, a beautiful mother of five children now, and we've written a book together. Uh, we've had so much fun together. She she has her issues and so on. Their little one has a syndrome that's extremely serious and that they're dealing with right now. But but I said, you know, if any of you in this audience have a little child right now that is totally a whiner who gets sick at her stomach every Sunday night because she's worried she's going to forget her homework the next day, who's a picky eater who decided at some stage that she was only going to eat broccoli, licorice, and chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> then I'm here to give you hope because this child was just like that when she was little and she turned out okay. <laughs> Shawnee, if I can toot our, our horn a little bit, is now uh, the National Young Mother of the Year and uh, a writer and a photographer and 
has a blog that is, in my humble and unbiased opinion, the best mommy blog in the world, and I'll tell you what it is. It's easy to remember, 71toes.blogspot.com. 71 being the numerals, 71. And the reason for that 71 number is that that is how many toes they have in their family because when Lucy, their little one with this syndrome, was born with an extra toe, of course the doctor said just on one foot, so she had six toes on one foot, the doctor said, oh, no problem. You know, that extra digits happen all the time. We'll just take it off and no problem. But that is what led to the discovery of this very serious syndrome, which is sad, but that they're dealing with every day and includes probably blindness sometime between 9 and 15, um, obesity issues, kidney issues, you know, just all kinds of things. And as we have gone through that with her, we have realized how important perspective is again and again and again because, you know, everybody has problems. In fact, we were saying how interesting it would be if we could all just wear labels um, these little tags on us, like, please be gentle with me, I have a syndrome. Uh, please yeah, be gentle with yeah. me, I, I have anger management issues, you know, whatever it is. Um, it would be nice if we could all kind of wear those labels and be more understanding of what people are dealing with. And and the perspective that we were both talking about unwittingly, not knowing the other one was doing it, really is, in some ways, Linda, I think a, a gift from God. We have to ask for it. We have to try to have empathy and to try to understand others and to try to see ourselves in a bigger picture uh, than just the small picture that we often find ourselves in. Most of the world around us tries to limit our perspective. When you see advertising, when you see sitcoms on TV, when you see little uh, when you see uh, entertainment tonight and watch celebrities it, it's all about a lack of perspective it's a, it's about a world where all that matters is how you look and how thin you are and how nice of clothes you wear and so on and and when we when we get involved with that kind of perspective we always feel like we come up short we always feel a little inadequate we always feel a little insecure and sometimes what we need is to back off and look at a bigger perspective, hopefully even an eternal perspective, and then we begin to realize that uh, things are not always as they seem. And when we come back from a short break, we will talk a little more about our experiences on the road this last week and each of our efforts to try to share the power of perspective. Richard and Linda Iyer on the show that is called Iyer's on the Road, and we're sharing some experiences that we've had this past week. We often, often, as an understatement, we constantly are on the road uh, speaking to other parents about our books, about our thoughts on parenting, and listening to all the good ideas that other parents have, and this past week, we split up, and I was in California. Linda was up in Logan, Utah, and we were addressing two very different groups, but with kind of the same subject, namely how much it helps to have a 
long-range and hopefully eternal perspective about what we're doing in our lives and particularly about our children over whom we have stewardship. Well, I was speaking mostly to mothers. I mean, not only mothers, but but not but only biological mothers, but mothers that are mothers to children in schools and hospitals and uh, volunteer work and so on. Every woman is a mother in her own right um, as she deals with children. So um, Shawnee and I really realized as we were preparing this talk that there are really two ways to bring more holiness in your life. And uh, as I talked about at the first, you know, Shawnee's saying, you know, I'm dealing with barf and screaming children and, you know, all this craziness at my house. I just don't think that's possible. But she'd gone to this retreat um, and Jen Eyring, a dear friend of ours, had given a little um, workshop on how to do this. And she said, I assigned three different mothers um, to find something in their life where they could improve uh, with relationships with their children and how they could feel just a little bit of holiness. And she said, the one that that I was so struck with was a mom who had six kids under seven and she'd had triplets. And she said, I had this big van and my biggest deal was trying to get these kids in there, buckle them in their seat, in their seats. And she said, honestly, it is such a pain. Every time I wanted to go somewhere, I had five kids that actually had to be in car seats and then one on a booster seat. And she said, it was so crazy and I hated it. And she said, one, this one day I just decided, okay, I'm going to just quit hating this. I am going to go out there and look in, in my little little one's eyes as I buckle them in and say, I love you. We're going to have a good time. And she said it changed her whole perspective about those trips in the car because it was her moment to really be there for her kids. And so Shawnee had decided that what she needed at her house was to have a little better feeling after dinner when everybody was doing their dinner jobs. And so she put on some music, and then she showed a video of the kids cleaning up the kitchen that is the funniest thing. I mean, they're swinging each other around. Once you put on music, you know, then everything gets happier. (laughs) And uh, so it's just really fun to see that. Now, I'll bet you wish you'd had this quote. This is one I was using the other day that would have worked better in your speech than mine. This is from the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Motherhood is near to to divinity. It is the highest, holiest service to be assumed by mankind. It places a woman who honors its holy calling and service directly next to the angels. Oh, wow. I don't think of that very often. I do need that. Well, it's this whole thing of perspective. One thing I tried to do with my audience was to, maybe some of you listeners have seen this, there's a lovely little video where it begins 10 feet above a little family on a blanket in the Boston Common having a picnic in in Boston, Massachusetts. And then the camera goes up by a factor of 10. So then it goes up to 100 feet, and now you see sort of the whole park and this little blanket down below, and then it goes to 1,000 feet. And now you see all the park and part of Boston, and then it goes to 10,000 feet, and now you're starting to see the city itself, and then 100,000 feet, and now you're seeing more and more. Anyway, it keeps going up, and pretty soon you see the whole... uh, 
uh, state of Massachusetts, and then you see Cape Cod, and then you see um, the curvature of the Earth, and then you begin to see the whole Earth, and then you see the solar system, and then, and each time it's just a factor of ten, and pretty soon you see the universe and the the uh, the Milky Way galaxy and so on, and and it's just the idea that if we can just pull ourselves up and away a little bit mentally, we begin to see a bigger perspective. And the little problems we have and the things that aren't quite right with our life and the things we wish were different or how hard it all is to just have these children and be trying to parent them and and not be able to do all the things we want every day, those things start seeming rather small as we realize those of us who have a spiritual perspective that uh, of all the things we're ever going to do, none of them are anywhere near as important as the stewardship of little children who are actually the children of God. And we are, in a way, the mortal babysitters. I kind of like that image that, uh, you know, um, we, we were sent to this earth a little before they were. And it could have been the other way around. They could have been our parents if they'd come 30 years before us instead of us coming 30 years before them. Oh, how scary. That's just a really <laughs> scary thought. <laughs> but, you know, another thing that we talked about in uh, having this perspective is that one thing that can really make you into a better person is tribulation. I mean, that sounds a little bit odd. I mean, it's not like, please, okay, bring it on, bring it on. I want to be a better person. But it really is true that when we go through hard times and we survive those hard times, and it doesn't always, at the moment, it doesn't always seem fun or valuable, but as we get past them and look back on them, it's just amazing. I have a sister whose husband was diagnosed five years ago at 9 o'clock in the morning with stage 4 cancer, and he died at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And so the last five years have been a roller coaster for this family, up and down. I mean, everything from uh, depression, drugs and alcohol, uh, the dad, one of the kids being out of work and moving into her house, a grandchild with leukemia, two really difficult grandchildren. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. And yet I talked to one of those son-in-laws last week at a pizza place where they've now they've opened a restaurant and they're doing fine. And he said, you know, we're better people. We're all better people. She has seven children, all married, but so there's a lot of bodies. But she said, he said, you know, there are ups and downs in everybody's life, but by and large, we're better people because we've had to stand up and do this ourselves and and take control of our lives. And I just think that's the way tribulation is. You know, it just teaches us so many things. And of course, it's easier to talk about that after the fact or. Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. when we're right in the middle of it, it's so very hard to understand why we have to go through the things that we do. But, yeah. but part of what helps is to realize that everyone goes through their own form of tribulation. One of the problems with perspective is that we don't see behind the scenes with other people. And so it always seems to look on the surface like their life is a little better or a little easier or a little more pleasant than ours. Oh, absolutely. Two weeks ago, we had this beautiful mother here, and we had a retreat at our house. And it was for couples, and she came through the line at lunch, and we started chatting a little bit. And she seemed like she was just so happy and had had just a wonderful life. 
And she said, you know, today is the one-year anniversary of the day that my son went out in our Jeep to do some weird stuff in the parking lot. I mean, just do some papa wheelies and stuff. And he rolled the Jeep and killed his best friend sitting next to him in the Jeep. Oh, my word. And I, I just, it was like a dagger in my heart. I just, oh, I can't think of anything worse. I can't think of anything worse. But then, you know what she said? I mean, she, I caught her again as she left, and she said, no, you know, you shouldn't worry about this because last week they had a big run for the Kidney Foundation, and she said this boy who, was, who passed away gave his kidney to a man and saved his life. And somehow they got connected, even though they're not supposed to. They got connected and realized what an enormous, what an enormous contribution this boy had made to the life of someone else, even though he lost his own. And so, you know, good things really usually do come. And sometimes, as you said, it takes years to realize what it is. You have to have the perspective to look back and say, aha, that is why that happened. This is what I learned even though you would never ask for those hard things, you would not give up what you learned from going through. And it's not only the big, big, heavy things like you're right. talking about, Linda. I was thinking how even um, I remember as a younger parent, uh, we would go to church and we'd just barely get there and we'd always be late and we'd be struggling in to try to get there. And, and the and, kids would uh, have on moon boots in the middle of the summer because <laughs> we couldn't find their shoes. and. <laughs> And, and we just seemed so disheveled. We just felt so, you know, out of it. And we'd look around, and all, it seemed like all the other families were just so prim and perfect and proper, and all their children were radiating and beaming, and we were carrying ours out because they were crying and fussing. I mean, it's just, it all, and, and see, the problem is you can't see behind the scenes to sure. what happened with those other families that all look so good. So. It's just a matter of getting that perspective. And I think a lot of times you can struggle and try to talk yourself into having a good perspective, but sometimes the only real way to, to get it is, is a spiritual way. It's through prayer. It's through, I think, a kind of a marvelous type of perspective prayer that only, only parents can really ever feel. And it's essentially where we're saying, uh, Heavenly Father or God or however you, you address divinity, please help me with these, your children. They're really your children. I'm just a steward. I'm trying to do the best I can with them. But you know what? I need help from you, the real parent, in terms of how to cope and how to deal with these children that you have sent to me. Well, I think it's such a puzzle. Every child is such a puzzle that you need to help not only from heaven but from, you know, just thinking through things. And sometimes those answers come through heaven. But, you know, it is so interesting to realize, and we've, we've known this for years and years and years, that children just are not lumps of clay that you can just mold into whatever it is you want them to be, obviously, even though you did put a tennis racket and um, what else, a basketball, in the crib with our first boy and thinking for sure he was going to rub up against those and become, you know, an athlete, and which he did not, which, but he became something better. I mean, it really is so interesting to realize that we really don't have a whole lot to do with who our kids become because they come who they are. And yeah. I, think, I think you should tell, I think we have time for you to just quickly tell the farmer story. Well, all right, I'll, I'll end with that, but I because we'll be out of time before too long. But I do, I do want to just stress that that word, which is our theme for today. That 
that word of perspective and the idea that uh, we really do need to pray and ask God to help us to see things in a bigger picture and to see the perspective and to understand that, uh, you know, one of the little adages to remember is that crisis plus time often equals humor. I'm talking about little things, little crises, where suddenly, you know, it's not very funny when four of your kids spill their milk all at the same meal. And, and it's easy to get upset. It's easy to lose perspective. But looking back on it, that's actually kind of funny. It is. So quickly, the farmer story, because I have one thing to wrap it up with. Well, you know, uh, I think this is a perspective story. We were in a little area one summer visiting, and we happened to go to a church where there was a lesson on parenting, and we were pretty anonymous. We were not trying to stand out or say anything. In fact, we said nothing at all. In fact, you have to know this is a little farm village with 200 inhabitants and and counting the cows. But there there was a fellow there who was a... uh, kind of a city slicker and he kind of had all the answers and frankly he was a little annoying because he kept saying well every question the teacher had he had the answer and he always prefaced it by saying well my my son the valedictorian my daughter the special beauty queen my uh, quarterback on the team my other son and they all you know you just get the feeling this guy had all perfect kids and he had all the answers for parenting and he'd never had any problems and it got very annoying. And near the end of the class, uh, a small little man who clearly was a rural farmer and who, who didn't have much command of the English language, but he raised his hand and he faced off against this bragger. And he said, and I quote, Excuse me, sir, but God must have thought much of you as a parent sending you all them easy kids. God must not thought of much of you as a parent. I mean, it really is so fun. And then you can look at it from the other way, too. I mean, God must have thought quite a lot of you if you got a really tough kid. So I told this story yesterday, and it was amazing. The last mom that came up to me said, this, that story changed my life. I have three girls that are driving me nuts, and I keep thinking, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And she said, it's not me, it's them. Oh, I'm so happy to know God sent me these hard kids so I could work it out. So we want you to feel as much perspective as you can in your parenting, and we will see you next Monday on Ayers on the Road.